Scene and our work is impeccable. In Chicago land, we play a lot. You hear pack and stack and pack a lot. With the Knights of the ASL table, our show's invaluable. And many times a banter shines in ways unforgettable. We like to say Shazam a lot. We shoot from the treetops a lot. French accents are fable. They're quite indescribable. Between our casts, we have a blessing in defatigable. It's busy when you play a lot. We do say multi man a lot. Well, on second thoughts, let's not go to Camelot. It is a silly place. And welcome to the one and only show on the net dedicated 100 or so percent to the greatest game in the world, Advanced Squad Leader. I'm your host, Dave, and it's just Dave today. That opening uh, song, we'd like to thank Sergeant Schmutz for those wonderful lyrics. Brilliant effort, sir. And we finally got that recorded for you. Sorry, the recording was so questionable. (laughs) But anyway... Thought I'd just kick out a show without Jeff because I had recorded a setup to Mountain Hunters. ASL Journal one something or other. Well, I guess we'll put it in the notes. Not, and I thought I'd just put that out in the air. Also, we have had received a letter from Dustin Witches. I'm not trying to pronounce your last name, Dustin, but Dustin asked about counter storage and he found some of the things online confusing and some of the pre-printed labeling systems confusing and he asked what we do uh jeff and i do different things i do believe i remember jeff had the big trays and he went to the smaller trays so i thought i'd quickly take a look at how i've organized my stuff so i know this is not for everyone just skip this part of the show if you already got all your stuff encounters but for all you new guys may this might help and this is not ideal by any means this is just what i ended up with I said on an earlier show I had originally used these uh, little film canisters that were clear in the good old days when you could buy film. and uh, So I labeled all those and stuck them all in a giant plastic bag, and, and I'd line them up before each game. Yeah, not, not as good. But these tr- counter trays I have, I don't see a number on these. You get these at, like, Hobby Lobby for cheap. I mean, a couple bucks. I don't know, three bucks maybe less these days maybe. You can look for a sale. They're, uh, yeah, they literally, they have no brand name on them. They are, have a snap-on lid. They're, they're mostly, they're clear plastic, a little foggy, but clear. And I have one I labeled German Infantry. Well, the counter itself, the lid, you know, is hinged on the back. It just snaps into the front. And I think these are made for, you know, Mojave stuff. But the, the, the my trays have, they have, one, two, three, four, five compartments across and four compartments down. So doing some quick math, that's 20 compartments. And I find it to be plenty. Uh, so I've labeled them with some nice little printout labels that I copied uh, another player's system. And um, these have the curved bottoms. Now that's nice. My original, my second system had the square bottoms on these, and it was hard to scoop them out. So if you can find these with the curved bottoms, you know, like a Joanne Fabrics or something, or Hobby Lobby. And then I simply put my 838s on the top left, and below that, the 338 half squads. 
So I have my squads and my half squads. Then to the right of that, top row, five four eights. Below them, the half squads, the two three eights. To the right of the five four eights, the four six eights, elite. Below them, their half squads. And to the right again, top row, a four six sevens. Below that, the two four seven half squads. And to the right again, top row, last upper right compartment, the four four seven second line squads. And below them, the half squads. Now that system works for most nationalities. The Germans happen to have those six uh, line uh, um, units. Uh, you know, elites, three kinds of elites, a first, a second line, and a conscript. So my conscripts start my, now we've already covered the top row and the second row. So the third row down, one up from the bottom, I have the four, three, six conscripts, and then to the right of that, I have the half squads, two, three, sixes. But to be consistent, you might want to put your two, three, sixes in the bottom left-hand corner below the four, three, sixes. That would make more sense. Maybe I should switch mine around. So now that leaves us with the third row from the top. In the first compartment were the four, three, sixes. The second is the two, three, sixes. And then I have the concealment counters all in the third one. The fourth one, I put DCs and flamethrowers. And the fifth one, I put the Panda Shreks and the ATRs. And then in the last row, the bottom row, so the bottom left-hand corner, I have my SMCs, but you might have your two, three, sixes there. And then I have the crews and airplanes I stuck in here for some reason. I don't know why. And then in this third compartment in the bottom, I have the location counters. I think these came with, like, the historical modules and things, so I'm not even sure you'll have these in a lot of systems. If you don't put them in there, that'll free up a space for you. And then I have the mortar and radio together. And then I have the machine guns on the bottom right-hand corner. All the machine guns together. Now, that's a tight thing for machine guns. But you know what? This fits. Works fine. Doesn't really matter. Uh, as long as you know where your, your stuff is. And it's, um, I try and be consistent across nationalities. So let's take a look at the British here. Going to my British. And I snap open the lid. Open that up. Top left again. The six four eights, and then the five four eights to the right of that, and the third box in the top row, middle five four seven first line troops, to the right of them the four four seven second lines, and then to the upper right hand corner box the four three six green British troops. All right, then my second row down is of course those corresponding half squads. Now. If you don't have Pegasus Bridge and some other game where I got these other airborne, um, well, there were some British put out with special symbols on them. It's the ones that came with Pegasus Bridge, has the Pegasus symbol there. And then, so I do have those 648s in here and the 548s and their half squads together with them in the box. So a lot of people in their top row would put the squads and the half squads all together in there. Um, I just happen to like mine separate. If you do that, you free up a lot of space to spread out all your support weapons, like maybe just a container for light machine guns, medium machine guns, heavy machine guns, and so on. So in my British, my third row down from the top, I have these special Pegasus Bridge units in the first two, and then the middle one, I have the other airborne British I got from another game. What the heck game was that? Um, boy, I just can't come up with it right now. Was it Arnhem? It's probably that Arnhem game, bridge too far kind of thing. And then the fourth box to the right, I have my concealments, counters, the large and the small together, but again, some people might separate those. And then the fourth box, I have those location counters. So this system looks a little different than my Germans, but it's close to the same. Bottom left corner, I have my single man counters again. The bottom row, second box over, I have the crews. Third one, I have crammed in the piats and probably bazookas and things. And then the fourth one, we have the support weapons, mortar, and DC, probably flamethrowers, ATRs, and whatnot. And the far right com compartment, the machine guns. Again, if you want more space than that, you could, uh, again, combine your half squads with your squads and free up another row there, and that could work for you, too. doesn't really matter, Dustin. Just get a system that kind of works for you. And, yeah, going online, you may find it's just 
doesn't match up or it's too confusing or something. Taking a look at my German vehicles. Now, the Germans have a lot of different kinds of vehicles, so they'll full, fill up a whole tray easily. I also put in my guns in there, too. But my first top left tray, Panzers 1s and 2s. Second box from the top row from the left, Panzer 3s. Then Panzer 4s, not J and H's. And then Panzer 4s, J and H's in the fourth box. In the upper right-hand corner, I have the Panzer 5s and 6s. So my Panzers across that top row. Well, I guess not all of them, because my second row down, I have Panzer 30s, M15, PZ6s. Some of these may have came from special games like from Time on Target. They released a lot of vehicles, and the Lefranc Terrier probably, I think, released some vehicles. But my next box, I have some FLPZs and some FLK, LKWs, Flocka, whatever those things are. And then the third one, I have my SIGs, Diana, Sturm Tiger, Off KL, and the PZA. And then the fourth, the Jager Panzers, the Panzer Jagers, Jagers, the Martyrs, the fifth box, the Stoops, what are those? The Stu PZs, and then the Stu H and the Stu G, the Stugs and the Stugs. Um, third row down, I got all my... SPW 250, 251s. They look pretty packed in there, but again, I have a lot of historical modules. I've got a lot of those counters. And then Panzer, second second one in, third row down, second box in. Panzer 4s, the 6Bs, SF1, PZ, T35, 34, BZ, 74. It looks like a lot of odd stuff. The Nebofatorzig, PSW. You know, as long as I've labeled them, I can find them in here. Um, this, is probably not, this is probably not the most logical system here. I just kind of, when I was a beginner, I just kind of broke them up into piles and then stuck them in the container, these containers. There may be a better system like, you know, fully tracked, half tracks, cars, and so on. But anyway, my third box over, third row down, I have some French vehicles, German ones. They had to be from a third-party product, FT-17s, uh, 38Hs, GSWs. Um, I don't even know what all those vehicles are without really looking at the counters. Fourth box in, third row down, the PSWs, 221 to 234. Fifth box over, I have all my trucks, my KFZs, Sudikafas, and the RSOs. So, and then my bottom front row, and I do this for most all my nationalities, left corner, AT guns, second box in, artillery pieces, third one in, recoilless and infantry guns, Fourth one in AA guns. Fifth one in mortar, mortar, large mortars, not the little mortars, the five-eighths counter mortars. So that's my German vehicles. So, again, this is not anything written in stone here or anything. Just kind of get them organized, label them, and then they all fit. All your Germans are in these two nice snap-tight containers. Almost all nationalities go like that. Americans, I did separate Marines and so on, but... All right, let's, let's take a look at one more nationality. All right, I've grabbed my Axis Minor box. It follows the similar pattern. Upper left-hand corner, I have my 447s. Next one in, the 537s. Third one in, 347s. Fourth in the top row, the conscripts. Now, that covers all of the infantry for the Axis Minor. Below those are the half spots. Upper right-hand corner was now open, so I put in ATRs just by themselves. The second row down, far right-hand corner box, fifth compartment, HMGs. And then the third row, I have the single-man counters, and I split those up, six morale, seven morale, eight morale, in that box alone. The next one over, the tank leaders, separate, again, not all crammed into one like I had for the Germans. The middle compartment, the concealment counters. The next one over, the DCs and flamethrowers, separate. Oh, there's a mortar in there. Get it out of there. Move it back where it belongs. And on the right, fifth box, third row down, medium machine guns. Again, by themselves. Bottom left-hand corner, bottom row. So uh, the, the rest of the leaders, nine morale, ten morale, and heroes, and snipers I throw in with my single-man counters, usually on all these. Second box in, bottom row, crews. Third one in, concealment counters, but wait. Oh, I missed something. Um, the third box in on the third row down from the top was the small size concealment counters. 
My bottom row, third box in, so below that, are the large size concealment counters. They have burning buildings on the back of them. And then bottom row, next one over, mortar and radio. And the bottom right hand corner, the LMGs, light machine guns. So in effect, my machine guns go up along the right hand side. Lights in the bottom right corner, above that mediums, above that heavies, above that the ATRs. Again, when you have a small nationality with not a lot of infantry unit types, then you've got room for spreading out. And I like this, really spread out. You can find things quick. So there, there you go. Um, you know, don't, probably don't need to read off anything else. The, each nationality is just a little different and what kind of requirements there. But if you find a consistent pattern, I like mine, but it's by no means the best. It's... Um, and again, you can find a lot more online, Dustin, which you've done and haven't been satisfied with. But And remember, just come on up with your own. Don't get frustrated. That's the main thing, trying to match exactly what other people have done. So hope you uh, find a good system for your counters. And again, don't, don't let it consume you. Just get her done and just play the game. All right, now let's go to the defensive setup that I did. I recorded this. Again, some listeners really enjoyed listening to me thinking through a game setup. So if you don't enjoy that kind of thing, it's not for you. Just wait for the next episode. And here it is. All right, folks, I'm going to record a setup defense Russian for ASL scenario J129 Mountain Hunters. I think it's from Journal 8 or Journal 9, whatever the last journal was at the time of this recording. And I'm playing Mike Stubitz tomorrow night, and I think he's going to also record a setup because I think he emailed me and said he had a setup also. And when anxious to see how mine compared and I said well would you be willing to record that and then the listeners can have a setup comparison I think this would be our second or third setup comparison on the show first order of business you get out your boards well you read I like to read the scenario card read the description of the scenario and read the aftermath even before I play it not that that matters for anything but and then you dig out the scenario pieces. I line them all up on the little pictures, usually, but not always. Of course, you wouldn't have to do that. Just get out your counters and then take a look at the setup area or victory conditions. Setup areas can help you to f understand the victory conditions better, obviously, so let's look at that. The Russians, I'll be playing the Russian Defender, set up west of the road, Van runs from, that's a typo, that should say that runs from, I-20 to M-16 to N-14 to L-10 to Q-5, concealed if in concealment terrain or trench. So find that road, runs long. Well, I'm looking at it from the west side of the board. And it runs along the top right-hand corner. Makes a bulge in the center. Swings down through this village. And... No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. L10 goes to Q5. Yep. So it gives me to set up everywhere back in on the board except this little thin strip in this corner along the east side. Well, that's a lot to think about. And so, I notice I have that's group one, which is two, four, five, eights, four, five, two, sevens, seven, four, four, sevens. The two crews to go with the two infantry guns are 76 millimeter guns. And then you get a Commissar, 10 Nego, 
and then a 9 neg 1, and then I have an 8 plus 1. You're like, what is an 8 plus 1? Never heard of that. Well, that's because you haven't broken out your Valor of the Guards yet, which I did a couple nights ago when I dug out the pieces and initially looked at this scenario, and discovered that by looking at special scenario rules, that there's an SSR for Valor of the Guard, that rule 23 applies to the 8 plus 1 Commissar and the Russian OB. And I haven't even read that yet, but I dug out the counters for Valor of the Guards and found a 8 plus 1 Russian leader, sure enough. So I'm going to assume that that rule is going to talk about him being a Commissar, which I'll need to find out for sure. So I'll stop and do that now. And sure enough, VOTG 23 rule. 8 plus 1 Commissar, a new type of Commissar of lesser quality is included in certain Valor of the Guard scenarios and campaign games, represented by an 8 plus 1. Normal Commissar rules apply. Exception, a Russian leader may never be replaced with an 8 plus 1 Commissar. Okay. As I suspected. So, I continue on. With a heavy machine gun, a medium, two lights, an ATR, a mortar, the 50mm kind, a DC. And then I have a group, elements of the 675th Anti-Aircraft Battalion, set up on hill hexes within the same setup area as above. Okay, so same area as the other guys, but I have to be up on the hill. Makes sense, they're an anti-aircraft battalion. Coming at me. It's a whole lot of stuff. Now, that'll make a difference for my setup a little later. But first, let's now look at the where the enemy comes on. They may set up on the road pocket. Well, they set up in the southeast edge of the board, upper right-hand corner for me looking at it from my angle, up on that hill and in the orchards and little woods on that side of the road. Between the road that enters... That is from I-20, M-16, N-14, and Q-15. Cuts back over. So they're in that corner. And, or, they may enter along the east edge. But greater than or equal to 12 squad equivalents must enter from off board. So you can't put all... Wow. Wow. 18 squads in that corner with the two tanks. Tanks will enter turn one along the east edge anyway, for sure. Uh, so, at least 12 of those squads. You have a small group in that corner. So if I were to... Well, okay, so let's look at the objectives. The Axis win if they get two of the three tactical objectives. And I like the way they broke this down. Very unique. First time I've seen something like this. There's the strong point, which is buildings K-15 and M-15. Or they can control the village, greater than or equal to six building rubble hexes on or west of hex row one. Or they take the high ground. Great set of scenarios, by the way. They can control greater than or equal to five woods brush hexes at level two. High ground control greater than or equal to five woods brush hexes at level two. Anywhere on the board, it does not specify. Now there is a woods hex over on his high ground, I see, on hex N18. And so he already starts with one. That means he's got to take four, or I can counterattack and take that. It doesn't seem likely, though, does it? So, control greater than or equal to 5, then, wow, it means if he just takes this woods on level 2 around hill 494, the E3 hex area, that gives him 5. He's just got to shoot across that woods. He can come through that woods, take that. He could take those houses out there, M15, K15, and bingo, he's won the game. Two pushes around both sides kind of sides. So, as a defender at this point, you want to think possibly how your opponent's going to set up. 
and what he might try and do. And with this variety of objectives, it makes it real hard for this part of the game. That means you might need to be flexible as a defender. So, you know, if this was just like take this village, well, I can concentrate my defense there, get all my guns covering open ground around that village, you know, from up on these hills, whatever, and done deal. But since I got to cover three objectives, and I don't know where he'll concentrate his forces, so it's hard to guess where he'll place the infantry gun and where the tanks will move to, you know, to be able to place anti-tank weapons around anyway. So next thing you probably want to do, now you've got a general understanding of how the game's going to possibly flow. You want to look at the special rules before you go any further here. Environmental conditions are moderate, no wind, kindling's not applicable. Sorry, Bob Bendis, can't just burn everything up, can't burn that village up so we can't take it. Place wooden rubble in M18 and N17. Well, that opens up his line of fire from hex N18, or M19, I guess, or so on and so forth. By knocking that down, the uh, orchard might have hindered his firing. Well, it would have blocked his firing. You need to check the time of year, June 1942. We should remember it's June through September. That's what uh, that means the orchard it would be in season. Am I right? I think. Then, the bridge does not exist, so I happen to place a bridge out marker from Paratrooper over that, just for fun. Now, the buildings K-15 and M-15 are fortified at ground level, and they're fanatic strong points. So, uh, fortified from memory, it means you get an extra plus one. Uh, specified ground level only, okay. So that makes that stone building a plus four. Very tempting to, to make me set up there as a defender. And then this fanatic strong points thing. Don't really know. I remember Bob talked about it a little bit when we opened up our box of Valor of the Guards. Oh, so many shows ago. And let me check that real quickly. Gonna imagine that anyone in a fanatic strong point is going to be considered like fanatic or something Valor of the guard rule campaign CG 11 SSR CG 11 Russian fanatic strong points each non-prisoner Russian personnel unit in a fanatic strong point location is considered fanatic and is immune to the effects of encirclement if entering from outside the fanatic stronghold, it becomes fanatic immediately prior to all defensive first fire against it. If wishing to advance out of a fanatic strong point location in order to close combat and armor find a vehicle, it need not take a patsy since it's a fanatic when required to take it. A Russian unit already fanatic receives no further morale benefit. While ground level must be fortified, and rubble occurring in an original fanatic strong point hex is still considered part of the fanatic stronghold strong point for purposes of this rule. Russian personnel in, in fanatic strong points get a neg one heat of battle die roll and an additional neg one heat of battle die roll if fanatic strong point currently has a good order commissar. And both are cumulative. Hmm. Boy, they make it tempting, don't they, to put your troops out there in M15 and K15. And it goes on to list types of fanatic strong points, historical ones, battalion ones, NKVD ones, and blah, blah, Interesting, I'll have to get to play Valor of the Guards someday. But for now, I'm still trying to play all the journal scenarios. And so, Special Rule 3. Oh, haven't finished Special Rule 2 yet. The Romanian units in suitable terrain may set up entrenched, darn, and no fortification may set up using hidden, hidden initial placement, hip. And then the Romanian 537 squads and half squads are assault engineers. They're considered elite, have an underscored morale, have their broken side morale increased by 1, ELR of 5, all other Romanians have an ELR of 3. 
So they got a pretty good ELR, so I'm not going to damage them too much. Even the three, especially the five. And then there's no quarter in effect for both sides. So. All right. Now, looking at this game, the first thing i got to do here is figure out, typically, you know, what two of the three am I going to hold to win the game? You don't have to hold all three. Which two of the three? The strong point, the village, or the high ground? And I don't know. I think the advantage of holding the village and the high ground is that you might be able to concentrate your forces more on one half of the board. Like around hill 494 and 523 and between that the village out into the village front. You're not split up by that gully. Of course, boy, it sure would be fun to try and hold the strong, uh, st uh, strong point with the fortified and, you know, fanatic modifiers in those buildings. I got some elite troops, two squads. Seems like those would be the ones to go out there become nines. But, man, you know, you just all you do is break a couple times and boom, he's got that taken from you. For your opponent to take the high ground, if you can hold the hill around E3, 494, he could take, he's already got one in his possession to start with over there, as we mentioned. He could take D17, that's two, D14, three, D12, and D11. That makes it five. So I don't like that. The Russian defender would have to hold, I'd say, D11 and D12. Just to be safe. I'd love holding the high ground if I only had to hold C9 around that area through F2. Because then it ties in closer with my buildings and so on. And gives me less ground to try and hold. This game would sure have a lot of good replay value in it with all these choices. <laughs> so I'm pausing this often as I'm thinking this through. And... I, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to go ahead and forfeit the fortified strong points. So go for these buildings and the high ground. You know, everything's got some decent fallback and rally terrain. So although it looks like that strong point's sticking out there on its own, uh, separated by the gully again. Just not comfortable with it. Unless you're going to hold the strong point and the village. Now, we well, have to have some of your forces start on the high ground anyway. The 37LL in the trenches. If you try and hold the hill, yeah, it's too hard. If you, you give up the left flank, he's got the building surrounded in the village. And he's going to win any... Well, he's going to have the... Yeah, I don't know. All right, I'm going to go with the village and the high ground. So the question becomes, do I put anything in the strong point to, as a decoy and make him fight for that? I don't know if I have enough guys. So let me, let me start off with what kind of units do you want to place next? I think I like to place the... Um, you know, you look for the AA gun up on the hill... And find a good field of fire for him. And then the infantry guns also, probably. And then I work my way down. Maybe the heavies, mediums, and the mortar. And and then put the infantry in to cover them and to cover the victory conditions. So, Alright, so I think I might put in F2 the AA gun and the 228 crew... And not a trench, right? Because, well, he can be emplaced. Doesn't that give him a plus two from all directions anyway? From there, I like his line of sight. Uh, he can support the village to a certain extent. 
he can cover that woods, H1, H2, H3. It just looks like too good of an avenue to come up and plow up that hill and, and win those hill hexes for the Romanian German force. So then I, what if I put a trench in F3, E3, and E2? My thinking being I don't want to engage the woods from G2, G3. Instead, let him come up the hill into the open ground adjacent to me and face me in a stronger defensive train. What I don't like about trenches in EF3 is that, you know, to go in and out, don't you have to pay that extra movement point in the open ground? And you always get nailed. But if you put a trench in E3, then you have a connecting trenches, and you can move from E3 and F3. And you can rally really well up here in D2. Should be out of line of sight of almost all units except those that get back here into HO. No, he can't see D2 either, can he? Yeah, so that's a great rallying spot back there. Maybe a commissar back there. Haven't got that far yet, though. So... You know, you could run a trench line F2, F1, F3. But if you do it, well, I don't know. It seems like you're wasting an unplaced gun position there. Some ex an extra plus modifier by doubling the trench up with the AA gun. Or you could put the trench in F2 and put the AA gun in FE3, which can support down the G4, H4, I5, J5, Hex row better, but you know it can't hit those woods. Where you think you want to want to hit hard with support. So the other trench, I'm just going to put in D12 for now. I got to have something on that right flank. It's got to hold that. I'm not worried about the center high ground C7, C8, C9. Because if he's coming up the center, he's already taken that village, and then he's taken those. Outhouses, no, <laughs> not outhouses, um, strong point out there, the houses out there, um, and you've lost anyway, right? So what's the point of covering the middle hill hexes very strongly? But I feel real weak on the right flank. So let's see what else I can do. I'll look at the rest of these pieces and think for a minute. And next up is probably the infantry guns, right? If, now, oh, with the AA gun, I'm thinking, can it go all the way across the board and hit the Romanians in Hill 491 in M19 over there? I think so. With its IFE of 8, you know, I'll double-check the rules. Maybe it won't be able to. So I'd like something to hit that far. Certainly the infantry gun can hit that far. And now that I'm feeling a little weak over on the right flank, what if the infantry gun was placed in D11? From there it can cover D12. And really, you just have to hold D11 to win the game, right? D12's possibly sacrificable, but I don't want to do that. I just feel safer keeping D12 and D11, just in case. Uh, from D11, it can hit the opposing mountain across the way there. Yep, should be easy to do that. And it could turn and support the village, I guess. Although, you'd have to check your line of sight carefully. It's kind of dense in there. Eh, it could probably, yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to double-check all the line of sights and the blocked hexes and all that with the elevation and right now. But I wouldn't count on that gun to do much to defend that village. But I like it in D11 or maybe D12. You go to D12, you lose any ability to cover the village at all, which it may not have much now anyway. It's because of the orchards, yeah, it doesn't look like much. So, why not push it out to D12... And you can move that trench. Yikes, I don't know. Back to D11. The emplaced infantry gun in D12. You have another infantry gun. It might be nice in I7. 
From there, it can hit H3, I3, J3 in the left-hand woods. That would help support the AA gun. It can hit anyone coming up out of the valley in L4. And from the gully and K8 area. And anyone getting into J8 woods to take the front of that village. If he attacks the village, though, from the far right flank... You know, takes the strong points into the gully, up into the woods. Boy, you'd want something up there to protect you, wouldn't you? To help you out. Yeah, I don't see much help over there. So that'll be the job of some other people. I don't think he'll come through that valley gully to the front anyway. So maybe a better place for that infantry gun might be H9. And you get that non-turret turning covered arc problem going on. But, you know, it can hit H11, I11, J8 also, and into J I8, and so on. If he takes the front of that village, even H6, G8, G9 for that matter... So, I don't know. Um, maybe I'll move that infantry gun out right now. Put it in H9. Covered arc, I-11. Suspecting an attack from that side. And I'm going to move the trench from D-11 to E-12. I think it can hit F-12 adjacent. And it can shoot across to D-14 where I think he might come up the right flank. And support that gun in D12 better. I'll put something in that trench. And I don't think it's going to be threatened much from behind anyway. Alright, next I might think about a mobile reinforcement force. And I think I'll take the 458s, two of them. And light machine guns with those. And a 447. They need a leader to make a move fast. Well, or do they? Nah, the heck with that. Maybe they don't. I got jobs for the other leaders. Not a lot of leaders for the Russian here. So where do you put the mobile force? Well, if he's got to get up to D12, E12, and up left to F2, E2, he probably needs to be centered in that building. See why I don't like holding the strong point. And I could plop him in maybe in H5. You could always go back to E8, you know, but if he's in a, f well, if he's up forward, he's not really a mobile reserve, is he? Um, <laughs> hmm. Maybe I don't need a mobile reserve. Maybe I've selected enough, tight enough of a defensive area that these guys can, you know, inch left, inch right, or split down the middle, left and right, and help each other out a little at a time. I think that's probably truly the case. So and if that's true, then let's still keep these guys somewhat centered. Put one in H5. Place one. Now you got light machine guns, so fire lanes anywhere, anybody? Uh, down the road with a broken bridge? So is that G8? Is he going to be crossing left or right? No. We'll just be paralleling it. So how about G4? That covered by a wall area. Now I have most of them to the left. What do I... Leaving a 458 and light machine gun in G4. And I'll place the other one over on this flank to help hold the right side. So, help out that gun. How about G11? It's got a wall there. Hit the woods. Fire across the gully. And anyone coming up maybe the middle? I don't think he's going to hit the woods in J8, but he could do a fire lane across the front. You know, H10, not the front, I10, J9, kind of the front right. Fine for now. 
Then I got a medium and a heavy to think about. How about the heavy machine gun in the trench in F3? He can support the village, cover G2, G3, H3, H4, and so on. Cover, he covers the hill and the village, kind of like it. Remember, a heavy Russian uh, HMG is not going to move, not going to route with the people and so on. So it needs to be in a good place to be supported with routing. I mean, uh, rally terrain. So F3 I like, 447 in there. How about another 447 over an E2 to hold that left part of that hill? Got to have something to hit F1 and G1 and H0 besides the AA gun. He can help out on that flank. And then a medium with another 447. Alright, I'll take the medium and want to use that to defend the village, for sure. And it says, control greater than or equal to six building or rubble hexes on or west of hex row I. Read it carefully, so those rubbles up on that hill don't count, neither does the strong point. So to protect the village, I just need to concentrate on I8, H6, H5, and so on. And if he needs to control greater than or equal to six of those on or west of I, he's looking at F4, D7, F6, it's hexes, F7, so that would count, G8, G9, H9, I come up with, that's seven, and then H5, H6, I8, that's 10. So that would mean to hold, to win, to prevent him from taking six, right? I need to hold five of those 10. He gets five, I get five, I win. So pick the houses you want to protect. Well, F4 looks pretty well covered already. Of course, F6, F7, G8, G9. It's five right there. D seven's also a fifth. So it looks like, man, you could give up a lot of that village and still win. So I think I might try and well F four. If the hill falls, it falls, and the whole thing's over anyway. So let's hold F four, F six, F seven, D seven. Let's hold back at the end area, and maybe G eight, G nine, H nine. So any of those three. So I'm going to hold this back area. But to do that, you want to protect the front. Make him fight his way across that open ground or come around the flanks. If he comes around the flank on the right or left, he could ignore the front part of that village and just take the back part. And you can't win holding H5, H6, and I8. So I'm going to go ahead and try and protect all of those. So this medium machine gun then, might, you'd think, well, G9, it's got a plus 3 modifier rather than a plus 2. But I look for fields of fire with this thing. Where is it going to be most helpful in a defense? Where do I feel weakest? I kind of feel weak on this right flank. Ay, 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 I don't think D7 sees much. It's up on a hill, but it's equal to the height of the buildings in the orchard. So isn't going to see much. And... You put it in H5 or I8. I8, it can't fall back. So what about G8? G8, it can cover down that road, which we didn't think was that valuable anyway earlier. Um, cover any attack up the center. Not very well, but boy, I'm just not convinced I have it in a good place. If it's in G10... I'm feeling, feeling better like I have a defensive line on the right side that supports each other, but I don't like its field of fire. I mean, it has long range and a rate, so I don't know. I'll leave it there for now. not real happy with the placement, but... All right, then this mortar needs to be placed with a 447 squad. Russians cannot deploy. Um, I like E2. But it can only hit H1, H0. 
I mean, you're looking for woods hexes with this thing, right? For the neg one airburst rule, open ground, preferred two. So I don't get a lot out of it in E2. Its range is 3 to 20, so within three, within two hexes, I can't even shoot. So I was looking at D12, but it can't even hit C14 or D14 to help there. So then you could stick it out in F12. It could see a lot of things out there, but it's kind of on its own. Uh, it can't be in place. So you just put a trench out there or leave it on its own. Uh, I'm thinking suddenly I saw like C7. It's up high to the right. It can't do anything much. Much. To the center, I think it can hit K6, K5, K4. If he comes out of that gully, or I mean, uh, well, gully and valley in L4 area. Marsh, well, you could have come out of that. Ain't gonna move through there anyway. But it can hit J3, H3, and probably H2. I don't think I3. It gives it some nice support for that left flank, which is now looking to me like I've over overpowered it. And it it can it can move a little. It's four portage points, but you can inch it left and right. And can it go all the way across the board from C7 and hit N18 and O18? Maybe. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Certainly within range of 20. And yeah, that might work, actually. So what the heck? Let's put the mortar there. Maybe I should put an infantry gun there or something, but... Won't do that yet. Now I got an anti-tank rifle. I don't know where his vehicles are coming from. I have no concept, so I'll give it to a 447 squad, and we will. St well, okay. Think about it. Where will he come? I forget how hard it is to move through gullies for tanks. I don't think very hard. So he can come. Even though the bridge is out, he can come from anywhere. Uh, So it, it needs some good cover to fire from. You want to get probably side shots against the tanks. Let's check it out. Stugs, yeah, you need a side shot up close. So by like saying, oh, I'm going to put it in G13 and it's going to fire all the way down the road at a tank coming up J17 from K18. That ain't going to do anything. Probably. So, I kind of like to tuck these somewhere where they can maneuver around. Feeling weak around I-8, H-5. I'm just going to stick it in H-5 for fun right now. And I got two 447s left. They have a longer range than the 527s. Oh, I have a DC. So, I think the DC has to go with a 527 or an Elite. Four six four five eight. If it does have to go with an elite, well then I screwed that up. Boy, amazing how I can forget rules, isn't it? From game to game. Five two. Uh, boy, it seems like the five two sevens are some kind of assault dudes. Uh, all right, I'll put it with the five two seven for now, and if it's illegal, I'll switch the squads just around a little. You know. A 447 for a 468. Get a 468 with the DC. And him again, where are you going to throw this thing or move against the enemy and place it? I'm not going to counterattack up that hill for sure because I'm not holding that strong point. But do I want to put a couple squads in the strong point now that I'm down to a few squads left? I'm toying with that idea. Toying with it, it'll draw some forces off, but it might be a huge waste of time. But it would draw some forces off. Still got leaders to place out there. Oh, and five concealments. Are those dummies? Hang on, hold that thought. Um, so the DC goes... Well, nobody knows where. You know, he could hang out in this village, too, around I-8. 
and move left or right or back across the street. You know, use it to throw to save a last couple of hexes up if he attacks up the center or something. And now I'm feeling like I got a really thin defense across the way. Certainly D12's probably going to need some support. What if you stuck a 527 in C14? I decided not to try a forward holding of the woods. I'm not going to K2, K3. Although you could do a defense way up there. Make him hit that gully in open ground or that valley. Yeah, that might have been nice. Maybe I'm conceding too much ground here to start off the game. Uh, but it's six and a half turns, so... You know, that's a thought. Too late now. Uh, five, two, seven. That's for trying next time. Well, I got this trench out in E12. Nobody's in it. So that looks like a waste. Probably a four, four, seven there. Because if he's going to fire at D14... You want a full shot there, a four and not a half for range shot. He can also hit better to H11 or H12 if he starts coming around there. Or up the hill, he can defend F2, uh, E13. Yeah, because he could come straight up that open area, I suppose. I have not covered that well, that open ground. Maybe I need a squad in F12. It's open ground, but it's height advantage. Uh, just to, you know, say, hey, don't come running across the open ground out there. Or maybe F14. Is that safe? Seems pretty far out there. Because he can fire down, you know, J16, K17, J15... Now I'm down to two squads left. Again, not feeling too confident about this thing. I think I was trying to stay out of his line of fire until he came in close. And then he had a lot of supporting fire shots. So it seems foolish to take the last two 527s and stick them out in the strong point. But if you can draw off fire, maybe. Well, I really feel like I don't have enough to hold the center <laughs> or the left or the right against this crazy quantity of enemy troops and tanks coming. Wow. So, my five, last two 527s cannot go out in the strong point even to draw off a few forces. They're going to need to hang back. I mean, I have no one to reinforce F3 if he breaks, or jump up to F2 if he breaks. So how about a 527 over there in the trench in E2, E3, with a Commissar. How about the 8-up-1 Commissar? Does that sound good? How about him in D2? start the game. D2. And then the 9-neg-1. What do you want him to direct? Typically the heavy machine gun. But that puts two leaders on the left flank. And we could direct the medium. The, ah, the heck with it. Let's put him on the HMG right now. Ooh, that boy, that's a problem in it. <laughs> Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, because it leaves the right or center without any leaders. That's just not cool. Who designed this scenario? So how about... Wow. Um, he's going to move from the right. Oh, heck, he can be storming across there quick. Um... Yeah, I don't like my setup. I think I have to move the trench from E12 further out with the 447 to E13. That might help cut off the open ground out there and scare him a little bit. Boo! 
Then I got a 527 and a Commissar. 10-0. All right, I'll throw the 10-0 Commissar and F7. You know, he could be in G9 just as well, I suppose, because these people got a route somewhere, and he's got to rally them fast and get their butts back in action. And then the 527, that last one, I'm going to put him in G4 behind that wall because at close range he can cover H2, H3, G3, and full firepower to help protect that area. And then it frees up a 458 with a light machine gun to be a little bit more of a mobile dude and have a longer range. So it looks like he might like to sit in I-6, but that seems vulnerable. But it looks like there's a hole over there. So, yeah. How about put him in H5, the 4... 5.8 and the LMG. Yeah, I'm not looking for fire lanes with him right now. Just to cover that center, just in case. And then slide the ATR on the 447 over to I6. At least he's got hedge protection. And man, there's nothing to move up as a reserve force. So if he hits the right flank hard, I gotta pull. Try and pull this 527 and 447 and F14 and C14 back. Consolidate around D11, D12. I need a leader over there. Center Commissar can move up. The 9 Neg 1 can move over. Abandoning the heavy. And that might work. Might be asking too much. So, for now, let's look at the concealment counters. Alright, why do they give me these things? Well, if when your opponent sets up off-board all of his units, you can then conceal. Everything sets up concealed, right? So... The rule, though, for my setup says that I set up west of this road, conceal the fin concealment terrain or a trench. Okay, nice, nice. So everything in concealment terrain or trenches is going to cover up. That means these five are dummies. I like it. Let's take a look at that. All right, so then I covered up everything with concealments that I had on board. And I look at my Commissar 10-0, if I cover him up in F7, too obvious he's like a leader, he's back there, he's not covering anything. So let's, well, so let's move him to, I don't know, you know, I7. Stick him out there, make him look like there's a whole line of squads to fire at you. And then he can fall back immediately. Um him in G8, he might look like at least he can get a shot down the road. Like, he wouldn't have a fire lane. He has, obviously doesn't have a support weapon. So, but if he's a 447, it might frighten him off of crossing that area. And so, yeah, I'll put him in G8. A little better than F7. And then my dummies, well, why not put three of them in K-15 and two in M-15. And then you want to sell that a little better to the enemy. Why not move somebody into K-14, a real unit would have to be, who could try and get out of there by moving to K-13 over the hedge, J-12 down to the gully back to H11 and fall back where you really want him. G11. How about the 458 and the light machine gun? Seems risky, but if it would draw a lot of dudes to prep fire at that strong point and waste a turn of movement with just a seven turn game, might be worth it. If you move him up to K14, it makes that look like I might actually try and hold it. Yep, I'll move that 458 and the light up there. Certainly not a perfect setup. You know, the mortar at C7 could eventually move to B9 if 
the Romanian comes around the far right side and up the back. Because from there you can hit C14, B13, and A14. I like that. But, anyway, there you go. I'm sure your setup will be a little better than that. But, that's my thinking at the moment. And, uh, seems like I went for almost an hour here. I might post this as just a separate show. Uh, or tack it on with uh, Mike's setup or... Whatever. We'll see. And I hope hearing the thought process, and in the past, listeners have said that is helpful. When I'm pausing, looking, thinking, they can follow along at home, and it's helpful. Not, you know, the way I could just lift, list off all the final positions here at the end, do this in 10 minutes, but hopefully you get a more in-depth view of the thinking processes and all the possibilities that can go on in this marvelous game of Advanced Squad Leader. Hope that was helpful to many, and it is a uh, scenario that's popular in tournaments, so maybe that gives a little extra reason to give it a listen, but anyway going to call it a show. Thanks for listening. Roll low and rally well, but not when you're playing me. Bye-bye, everyone.